Well, today is Palm Sunday, and as such, we are taking a break from our study of Acts. And this morning, we are actually going to look in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, as we talk about what? What do you think we're going to be learning today? Today is what? Palm Sunday. So what happens on Palm Sunday? Why do we celebrate Palm Sunday? The triumphant entry. That's right. Somebody found their uh, passage in Matthew 21 and read the heading there. The triumphal entry. Because without the triumphal entry, does Good Friday happen? No. It, It all leads up to this. And so today, as we talk about the triumphal entry, we are going to be talking about the courageous king, because it took courage in order to have, in order to do that triumphal entry, did it not? So we are going to be reading about that today and hopefully learning and hopefully figuring out if any one of us are courageous. But before we get into God's word today, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning, and Lord, just what an uh, awesome opportunity that we have here, just to be here today, to listen to your word, and to read, and to learn from your triumphal entry. Lord, as we celebrate Palm Sunday together as a church family, Lord, I pray that our lives would be transformed even today. Lord, that we would become more like you, that we would learn from your example. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us, that you would be with me. Lord, that you would um, guide and direct my words, that they would not be my words, but Lord, that they would be yours. Lord, and I just pray for everyone here, that we would not only listen to your word today, but that we would apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we are in Matthew chapter 21, and we are going to read the first 11 verses. So please follow along with me, if you would. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say to them, or you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. 
Wow. So we, we can pick up a few things from this passage. But let's start off with the first thing. And that is that Jesus has all authority. And we know that through Scripture. This Jesus, who was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, has all authority. Now, why would Jesus ride to Jerusalem on a donkey? When was the last time you took a donkey as your uh, means or, or mode of transportation? How many of you have ever actually ridden on a donkey? I'm sure some of you have. I don't believe I have. Is it a comfortable ride? No, okay, it's not a comfortable ride at all. So why would Jesus, who has all authority, do this? Because riding a donkey was a symbol of peace. When a king would ride into a town, he had a couple of options, either a donkey or a horse. And if a king came in riding a horse, do you know what that signified? War. 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 He was coming in for battle. But if a king came into town riding on a donkey, that signified peace. Which tells us that Jesus' reign, his kingship, was one of peace. Which the people didn't get because the, the Jews at that time, they were under Roman rule. And when they expected the Messiah to come, they expect him to what? Come, take care of business, defeat the Romans so that they could be free once more. But that's not why Jesus came. And in this passage, verse 5, when it talks about, uh, you know, say to the daughter of Zion, that's actually from Zechariah 9, uh, 9 to 10. So let's read that real quick. You don't have to turn to it. I'll read it. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. So here we have Jesus coming in on a donkey. Now, Jesus fulfilled several prophecies throughout his life. Now, some were self-fulfilling, others weren't. For instance, Jesus being born in Bethlehem fulfilled prophecy. Did Jesus have a say in where he was going to be born? When you're, ladies, when you're pregnant, do you get to decide when and where that child is born? Not all the time. Sometimes we, there's some moms, we have, they have everything planned out. Oh, I'm going to give birth on this day, and it's going to be this, and we're going to do things A, B, and C. Everything's going to be great. Now, that does happen at times. But I know children that were born in the car on the way to the hospital. I know children that came weeks early, and I know children that came even, you know, even up to a couple weeks late. So Jesus had no say in where he was going to be born. When it, when it said that the Messiah would be coming out from Egypt, did Jesus as a baby say, hey, let's move to Egypt? 
Did he do that? No, he didn't do that. Even when uh, of Nazareth, right? All these things Jesus really had no control over. But yet time after time, he fulfilled prophecy. This is one of those times where he said, you know what? I am going to fulfill this prophecy. I know Zechariah. I know that when he was talking about the Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, he's talking about me. And so it's interesting because Jesus, it seems like Jesus had this planned out ahead of time. He told some guy, hey, I'm coming in. Right? It's good. We're going to call it Palm Sunday. We're not calling it that yet, but just so you know, I'm coming in on Palm Sunday. And some guys are going to take your donkeys. And if somebody comes and you don't know who they are, just ask them, hey, what are you doing? Because, right, if, if you have an animal outside your house and somebody comes and picks it up and takes it, are you going to be like, hey, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I would ask. And when they respond a certain way, right, the Lord has need, need of them, say it's okay. And that's what happens. So this is one of those self-fulfilling prophecies that means that Jesus knew who he was. There was no doubt in, him, in his mind that he was the Messiah. And if we read about the triumphal entry in John, we'll read that the disciples didn't understand all this that was taking place. Even though they had been with him for, uh, what, three and a half years, they still didn't know, they didn't understand. But when Jesus was resurrected, they were like, oh, I get it. Does that ever happen to you? Your light bulb doesn't turn on right away. And then moments later, maybe somebody tells you a joke and you laugh just to be polite, but then in the middle of the night, you wake up and you get it and you just bust out laughing, right? This is kind of like one of those moments. The disciples were there. They see all this going up, but they just don't quite understand yet what is happening. And then boom, later on, they realize it. So what else is, is happening here, right? Um, he's running on a donkey signifies peace, uh, that signifies peace. But Jesus proclaims himself as king. By doing such a thing, by riding into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey signifies peace. But he's also saying, I am king. Because not everybody would do that. Now, did the people recognize him as king when he came? No, if we read verse 11, who did they say he was? The crowd said, right, this is the prophet, Jesus. Was Jesus a prophet? More, was he a true prophet? No. Well, put it this way. A true prophet pointed people to God, right? Jesus pointed people to himself. Would a true prophet point people to himself? No. People have done that before. Say, hey, I'm a prophet of God. Follow me. Right? They're false prophets. So Jesus wasn't just a prophet, right? Uh, although he fulfilled prophecy and he spoke of prophecy, but he wasn't a prophet like Zechariah was or John the Baptist was because they pointed to God. While Jesus also pointed to God, he also pointed to himself because he himself was God. And he wasn't just a good person, although he was a good person. And the reason we know that he wasn't just a good person 
was because if he was just a good person and not God, that is a very cruel trick to play. Yesterday was April 1st, right? April Fool's Day. Anybody celebrate that and play tricks on their friends and family? You know, not me. I don't think I did. Growing up, I think I did. But now I think, wow, this is a day that celebrates lying. Man, you just, it's okay to lie, you know, and you can get away with it. Now, that's not what it is. But if Jesus wasn't God and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If he wasn't God, would that be true? That would be a really mean joke. And people dying in his name, that's, a, that's not a very nice person, is it? If somebody is going around saying, hey, I'm the way to heaven, when they're not the way to heaven, is that a nice person? No. So, so Jesus wasn't a nice person person, right? He was a nice person, but he wasn't just a moral teacher, even though he taught morals. But he is king. And if we read in John 1, it talks about who Jesus is, right? He's king of the universe. He created all things. Everything was created. So he has ultimate authority over everything. If you're a creator, if you make something, do you have authority over that thing that you make? Even though sometimes that thing that you make or create can cause problems and frustrations. But any, any problems or frustrations that are there is because you put it together and you designed it and something just wasn't quite right. But God is a creator and as such, he has all authority. And we saw that when Jesus was here on earth, did he have authority over creation? Yes. When the wind was blowing and the waves were were flowing, he gets out there and what does he say? Peace, be still. And did nature obey him? Yeah. And obeyed him immediately. Yesterday, was it a little windy here? I could have gone outside and said, peace, be still. It wouldn't, now, and it would have obeyed me eventually, but not right away. And I could say today, well, it's calm today. Look at that. I have control over nature. Would any of you believe me? No, none of you would. But if it was stormy and I went out and said, peace, be still, and immediately it stopped, what would your response be? Whoa, what is going on here? This, now, just so you know, I don't have that kind of authority. I've tried it. doesn't work. But here he, he did that. He healed blindness. People born blind, he healed. He healed the crippled. He cast out demons. Anybody here, right? We all agree Jesus has all authority, correct? He deserves all authority. But my question is, does Jesus have authority over you? He has authority over all creation, but does he have authority, all authority over you? Let me ask you some other questions that might help you to find the answer. Not the answer that you want to say, right? Not the answer that's right on the test, but the honest answer. Do you do what you want 
or do you do what he wants? When you're in a situation, do you do what you want or do you do what he wants? Your answer to that question can help to answer if Jesus has authority over your life. What about, do you search the scriptures daily? Or do you say, you know what, I don't have time for you today, God. If he has authority over you, you're going to search the scriptures daily. How many of you have or have ever, or have ever had a boss, somebody you worked for? When you go into work, do you just do what you want to do? Or do you do what they want you to do? Do you go up and say, hey, what do you have for me today? When you go to work and you ask your boss, what do you have for me today? What are you saying? You're saying, you have authority over me. What do you need me to do? If you go into work and you just do your own thing, whether it's on your your job list or not, are you really under authority, that person, even though you are? Right? You're not acting like it. So if we, as believers, right, if we say God has authority over us, shouldn't we be spending time in God's word, finding out what he actually wants us to do instead of just doing whatever it is we want to do? Here's, here's the last question for this. Do you submit to him? When he tells you to do this or to do that, do you submit or do you fight with him? Have you ever fought with God when God told you to do something? You said, nope, not doing that. You all know I've struggled with that from time to time. Anybody here struggle with that or am I the only one? Oh, good. Okay, I'm not the only one. There's other people that struggle here. That's good. But submitting to him. And you know what I've found out? And I I still struggle with it, but I know it's true. When you submit to God, when you do what he wants, life is better. It's not always easy. It's not always peaches and cream. But life is better when you submit to his authority. Because guess what? He has all authority. And we know that because when he came, right? He came with all authority, but he came in peace. And he came as king. We also know from this passage that Jesus is courageous. Jesus is courageous. Why? Well, at this time, right, the beginning of Passover, Jerusalem is crowded. Lots and lots and lots of people. Most Jewish men would be in Jerusalem at this time in order to to honor and, and celebrate Passover. Really big event. The town was overrun with people. And he's going in with a crowded. Who here likes crowds? Anybody here want to, to stand up and speak in front of a crowd? You know, people, statistically, a research has been done, and people would rather die than speak publicly. Can you imagine that? People would rather die. We fear death, but we would rather die than to speak in front of people. Jesus, here he was going into a crowded town. He was courageous. Not only that, but he knew the Jewish leaders at the time, they want to kill him. 
if you know somebody is out to get you, are you going to go to their place? If you know that your neighbor is out to get you and he has booby traps and he has things set up to hurt you, should you approach? And you need a cup of sugar. Would you go to your neighbor's house? No, because you're chicken, right? But if you were courageous, you would go. I I don't know about smart, but courageous. But here Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and he knows what's going to happen. The beginning of the week, there's celebration, right? Hosanna. Jesus knows about Friday. It's no surprise to him. He knew he was going to die, and he went anyway. Courageous. Courageous. Jesus was there because he is, what, the sacrificial lamb. The sacrificial lamb. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, right? Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came to die. The creator of the universe came to earth as a baby, put up with siblings, put up with temperature changes, put up with being lied to, right? All this stuff because he loves us. Because he loves us, the sacrificial lamb. Because we cannot get to heaven on our own, can we? It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Are you courageous? Are you courageous? So let me ask you these questions to find out if you're courageous or not. Lots of, lots of questions this morning. Not a written test, but answer honestly, truthfully to yourself. Do you do the right thing regardless of the consequences? That's hard, right? Because maybe you know if you do this, which you should do, because God's telling you to do this, you may lose friends. You may lose your, your job. You may lose your financial security. How many of us base our decision based off of money? I'm going to make this decision because it's a better deal. I'm going to make more money. I'm whatever, right? That's not really courageous. That's the safe move. But if you do what God wants, which it may be to make more money, there's nothing wrong with that. But what do you choose? What do you, what do you do? Do you feel fear, but do it anyway? Have you ever been afraid to make a decision? But you know, it's the decision that God wants you to make. What do you do? Do you give in to fear or are you courageous? Do you risk being criticized? Who here loves to be made fun of? Nobody does. I was thinking back, back, remember when you went to school, junior high and high school? Did any of you care what everybody else thought of you? You made a big deal about it. 
You know, maybe you made sure that you wore the right clothes or your hair was done a, a certain way. Maybe you made sure that you hung around a certain group of people because you cared about what everybody else thought. Well, guess what? How many of you graduated high school? How many of you still worry about what those former classmates think about you? Nothing, right? You don't really worry about that, but you did then. You don't see them. So, it, but it's amazing how we, we're afraid of being criticized today by people who we won't even know tomorrow. We won't even speak to tomorrow. Do, do you face that? Are, are you okay with that? Do you, um, do you quit when you fail? If you struggle with something and you don't get it initially, do you just quit? Say it's impossible? It'll never happen? Do you persevere when things get tough? What happens when you continue? Even, even though you fail, what happens when you continue and you, and you uh, persevere? You get it finally. And how exciting is that when you finally get it? Remember when you first learned how to ride a bike? How many of you had never fallen off a bike when you learned how to ride? Anybody just get it naturally? How many of you have ever fallen from your bike. Maybe you have knees to, to prove it, right? Do you just give up or do you get back on? You get back on and it's hard and it's scary sometimes because you, you fear that pain. You fear failing again. One of, my, one of our kids, when we taught him to ride a bike, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Like, that's all they said. And they're riding their bike on their own. I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm like, you're fine. You're, and then when they realized that they were doing it, they got braver, and they could do it more. And, and again, and we as Christians, if you try to share the gospel and you fail, you get rejected, don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. Here's the last one. Do you pursue purpose over comfort? That's a hard one because we like to be comfortable, don't we? And we realize as technology increases, the more and more we rely on being comfortable. Sometimes I feel like we're so attached with, to, to our cell phones that if you leave the house and you don't have your cell phone on you, does anybody kind of freak out? Anybody struggle with that? Right? So we, we struggle with that. What are we going to do? Like, we're, and then uh, it just creates so much anxiety for stuff like that. We just want comfort. We love air conditioning. We love electricity. And when the power goes out, right, you're at home with your family and the power goes out. What's the first question that, that gets asked? What are we going to do? Well, you could try talking to each other. How, how do we do that, you know? But do you pursue purpose um, over comfort? We should choose to follow God over what's comfortable. Do you think what Jesus was going to experience throughout that week was comfort? No. It, when we look back, it was a very difficult, very rough week for him. Now, here's the, the last blank, which I don't know if, 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 who here likes to fill out these blanks? 
right? They're kind of neat, especially when you get them all filled out. But when you have one that's not filled out, does that ever bug anybody? Well, guess what? This first one stays blank. So it won't be filled out unless you put something in there. But this last one is, Jesus is who? Who do you say that Jesus is? Messiah. You could put Messiah in there. Son of God. Lord. Creator. Savior. There are so many things that you can put in there. But some things that he's not, and we've talked about these. He's not a prophet. Not just a prophet. He is not a good person. Because if he was just a good person, he would be a liar. And if you know somebody who's a chronic liar, would you say that they're a good person? Do you love hanging out with people who all they do all the time is lie? Or do you, would you rather hang out with somebody who's honest? Honest, right? Because honest people are good people. But in fact, he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And we can look throughout Scripture. In John chapter 11, Martha calls him the Messiah. In Matthew 16, Peter calls him the Messiah. In John chapter 4, the whole town of Sychar calls him the Messiah. That is why Palm Sunday is so important, so special. Because not only is Jesus coming in to to, to ride, not only is he coming in Jerusalem riding on a donkey, but he's claiming himself to be the Messiah, the promised one that the Israelites have been waiting on for years, for centuries. Generation after generation, they were waiting for this Messiah. And this Messiah is finally coming. Isn't that amazing? And our Messiah, not just a prophet, right? Not just a good person, but he is the creator. He is Lord. The question is, is he the Lord of your life? Are you courageous? He died for you. Are you willing to live for him? Let's pray.